0: Welcome to another episode of The Extras. I'm
1: Candy. And I'm Raj. Great to be here with you, Candy, even though I didn't preach any of these sermons. No. Neither did you, actually. Or, <laughs> but,
0: um,
1: yeah, Mike's not here and uh, and Josh is not here, but we are.
0: Yes, we are here. And thank you, Raj, for answering questions. And um, We've got plenty of questions, and in particular, there were a few repeated questions on how do we answer the precise questions that Mike had put up on the slide on what the Bible has to say about homosexuality and abortion. So we're going to get into that. Now, before we do, uh, it's worth noting the sermon passage. So that was on Matthew. So we've been going into the Matthew series on I will build my church, which is what Jesus says. And uh, in this particular instance, we have been looking at Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 to 27. Um, Now, Raj, I know you weren't doing the preaching, but could you give us a brief summary of Maybe the main teaching point,
1: yeah. So, thanks, Candy. So, I think we began at verse 22 and went to verse 27. And really, the the main point um, for those who underline Bible passages, it's verse 22 and 23. When they came together in Galilee, um, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, they will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. Um, and and that's the main point that's going on here mm. and then what happens after that with the little kind of story about the temple tax it's a teaching point where Jesus is trying to illustrate as Jesus so typically does he uses opportunities to teach people and on this occasion um, the provision of a temple tax it's an opportunity for Jesus to teach that he provides what is needed um, um uh, in, in, in order to be submissive to the authorities and and fulfill his plans and purposes. It's the exact thing that he's going to do by dying um, um, and then rising.
0: Mm. Thank you, Raj. Um, we're going to get straight into it. So our first question is a question about Peter's answer in verse 25. So this person's saying, why, the, why does Jesus get money from the fish, really, to pay the tax if Peter said he already has paid it? So in verse 25, Peter says, yes.
1: Yeah, you actually had a really good way of sort of paraphrasing <laughs> that before, Candy. In fact, why don't you do it again? Because yeah. I thought...
0: <laughs> I think um, it doesn't really maybe come out as much um, in the English translation, but when you sort of really look at um, the way the question is um, worded, um, in the ESV it says, you know, does your teacher not pay the tax? Really the force of the question is kind of like, your teacher pays the tax, right? Um and then Peter, at that point, kind of nods and says yes. So it's not really saying has he actually got two drachmas to pay us right now? It's it's as Mike was saying, it's a question that they've asked to trip, up, trying to trip up Jesus, yeah, and on whether or not he was following the law. Yeah. And so Peter wasn't saying yes, he paid two drachmas just you know yesterday. He's just saying yes, Jesus abides by the law is what Peter was trying to say.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so what what then follows? It's not Jesus saying okay two's already been paid, now go and pay another four. You know, it's it's really just, it, it's talking about, um, as I said a moment ago, actually, Jesus then providing um, what is needed so that, in this case, you know, take v- verse 27, take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Uh, so that is Jesus in the fish is going to provide what's needed to pay. And Jesus is trying to, He's trying to just introduce this little principle here that God is providing what is needed for the people, uh, which is the whole point of his death and resurrection. So, yeah, that's, that's what Jesus... It's not a... It's not a it has, as Candy said, it hasn't just happened and he pay more. It's a discussion point. It's a teaching point that Jesus is trying to make.
0: Mm. So our next question um, is about verses 27. So Jesus is saying not to give unnecessary offence, Um, to the tax collectors now this question is coming um, from the angle of thinking about church and this question is trying to ask look Raj um, should we pay taxes to avoid a necessary offense because you know at the moment church is a is a non-for-profit and we have a non-for-profit status so you know it does that cause offense and another one is about the DA are we causing offense to our community by submitting it like just thinking through living that out in church life what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, look. Thank you for the questions. There's a couple there that um, have been put together, and it, I think maybe it's helpful at starting point. You know, what is what is Jesus talking about causing offence over? And mm. um, we were talking before, Candy. In fact, we went to one one Peter chapter three. Let's just look that up. One Peter chapter three, it's verse fifteen, mm. uh, and and. Where am I going to read from here? Um, well, let's start verse 15. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, for the re- ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Um, um, so that's just a really interesting verse. You know, that there, is, there, there, is, there are going to be reactions and and we see Jesus all through his ministry. He provokes reactions in his case quite intentionally. Yeah. And um, the question to ask is, what is what is the offence? As I've talked to people over the years, if you have talked to people over the years? Sometimes people are offended by the gospel itself, and other times, though, they're offended by the way in which we put things. And so it is trying to, you know, there's there's a principle here of. Um, um, working out how we put things so that Jesus is glorified, and of course, people. When Jesus sends out the seventy-two, he tells tells them, "When do you move on?" Um, um, well, there will be times to move on, shake the dust off your feet, and move on to the next. So there will be reactions of people which we can't control, uh, and so here I don't think in. It's talking about being you know offended because of a gospel. In the questions here, it's not talking about... What, what's at stake here is not the gospel. Now, it might be, but, but in these cases, we talk about taxes in this world and there's... Um, um, people pay taxes on profit, by the way. A church is not making a profit. Mm. Um, uh, and so, you know, when we put our tax return in, the profit we make is zero or something like oh, yeah. that. So it's just worth remembering that for those who are asking that question, but it is also true that the government quite deliberately gives tax breaks to churches because the government recognises the benefit churches are uh, to the community in a whole range of ways, um, and and you know likewise when it comes to in fact slightly different when it comes to putting in development applications, we um, we we're not receiving any favour, we're assessed under the same rules as everyone else. Yeah. And uh, we're actually doing that to present the gospel to a world that needs the gospel and to serve the community in all kinds of ways. So I think the, the offence or the risk of the offence might be a better way to put it that we're talking about here is quite different. Um, and the principle for us is how do we present the gospel in a way that's not causing offence because of the way, the tone, the but he's holding up Jesus for who he is and what he's done. And we see through the Bible, if that's a cause for offense for people, sometimes it will be. Yeah.
0: That's,
1: that is the reaction some people are going to have. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you want to add to that, Candy?
0: No, I think it's really helpful. Um, I guess one of the questions as we are non for profit, you know, not, um, which is, which is really a, a great gift and a recognition by the government of the good things that churches do do for the community. Um, I mean, even just think about the level of care that we give by virtue of being able to meet in small groups or by virtue of the ESL ministry that we do, by virtue of the play circle stuff. Like, there's just a host of things you can see the government would see the goodness of that. But then again, Raj, I think you really helpfully just say there needs to be a transparency in the processes. Like we're putting in the DA as with everyone else, the documents are available, they're online, people can see them. Um, We're doing it in a transparent way and we're also not going to abuse our um, non-for-profit status we have we get audited Um, that is a process we take very seriously yeah Um, you know the the claims that we make their proper receipts like things like that all the due diligence need to be done because it does it will offend the gospel if we um, do things that are uh, legal and a privilege that we get under Australian law but then we abuse it right that's when it does cause offense yeah yeah so this now we're going to move on a little bit to um, things that were mentioned. I mean, in particular for Mike Sermon, um, you know, uh, we we talked. They t- um, Mike kind of led in with a bit of news about Andrew Thorburn. This question is: Look, if we have different views to Andrew Thorburn, does this allow us to have different conclusion and reach a different conclusion about the Andrew Thorburn news?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, just worth saying. Our preachers on Sunday, one was Mike Everett. He was at Morning Church, at Afternoon Church, at Night Church. And the other one was Josh Charles at North Rocks mm. and Early Morning Church. So just depending on which sermon you heard, um, if you heard Josh Charles, he didn't talk about Andrew Thorburn. So so Mike did. So anyway, go and listen online, you can, you can see all of that. But Mike, I think quite helpfully, just in the context of what's happened last week or two, he did talk about what's happened with Andrew Thorburn and Essendon which I, I just might take as a given people are, are up at least to some level of what's happened there. Um, so the question, if we have different views of the Bible, does this allow us to have a different conclusion to Andrew Forburn? Now, I think as we get into this, Candy, the first thing I just... I might just take a, a back step a little bit and... Sorry, a step back and just reflect on a story real story that happened to me a number of years ago and there was someone at a church I was at who came up to me and said Raj we appreciate my fiance and I appreciate that you might have a different view but we just want you to acknowledge that there are different views out there on the topic of um, Men and women sleeping together before they're married. Okay. And so, of course, he said that to me, and my reaction was, as you can imagine, um, you can see what's happening here. They're wanting me to acknowledge a different view. They have a conclusion. They probably have a practice, and now what this situation is wanting me to, you know, endorse their prior conclusion or endorse their prior conclusion in this case as a possibility. And, of course, I was quite reluctant to do that. Um, um, what Now, the reason I say that is because we need to, really, the starting point here, very simply, if someone has a different, genuine view that's driven from the Bible, um, yes, of course, they're going to end up with a different conclusion to that of Andrew Thorburn. I think that's just taken as a, a given. Um,
0: yes, so if you have a different conclusion, you would digest this news differently. Yes.
1: Yeah, and you're, if you are in that position, you would you know, form a different opinion or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, now, the next part of the question, though, is can Christians have different views on abortion and homosexuality because of a different interpretation and understanding of the Bible? Mm. And here is where we just want to, um, I guess, talk about the authority of the Bible And if someone is a Christian, we take it that means we have a very high view of God's Word. Uh, It is God's Word that has helped us understand. In fact, Jesus talks about it here. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. We know about that message because of the Bible. We rejoice in that message because of the Bible. Um, We have life because of the Bible in this world because of our relationship with Jesus and in the world to come. We, we know all of those things only through the Bible. Yeah.
0: So we might say we um, trust in Jesus, we're Christian, but the Jesus that we trust in has to be the historical and scriptural Jesus. Yeah. And so when we say Jesus is Lord, encapsulated in that is the authority of the Bible. Absolutely. In wh- who we say Jesus is. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. We, you know, sometimes it's said people people want to make up their own Jesus. Um, we need to keep being people who come back to God's word and, um, um, the Bible helps us understand we live in a fallen world, Genesis chapter three, Mm. and we still, even though Jesus has come into the world to rescue us from that fallenness, which he does magnificently, we still in this world live with the implications of living in a fallen world. Yeah. Part of that is our, our human minds are corrupted. Yeah. We're not able to think clearly. And, um, um, I look forward to heaven when we will be able to, to to see Jesus clearly, to understand clearly. There's all kinds of questions we can't understand. The Trinity is an example of something we don't fully understand. We see it in the Bible, the yeah. concepts. Um, but also it means we can't process properly.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I think it's great to acknowledge the fallenness and our sinfulness. But also um, saying that we can't fully understand something is different to saying there are multiple truths correct yeah because we see in Ephesians 4 one of the things about maturity which we talked about in the growth group leaders um, training this week but is that we reach a unity of faith and knowledge of the son of God that we reach into the head who is Christ so there's a united faith and a united understanding of the son of God which means we're meant to have a common understanding of the son of God which means there's one understanding of the son of God Um, and so maturity is all of us coming together on that rather than you have your version of Jesus. I have my version of Jesus and we can all have different versions of Jesus and that's okay. But actually what the Bible is saying is no, there's truth. We are fallen. We're sinful. We need one another. Um, and we might come to different conclusions, but that's a different thing to saying there are many truths. There's actually one truth. The Bible does have a thing to say, um, yeah and, yeah, and that's important to uphold.
1: Yeah, and so even just to, to build on that even further, Candy, you know, one, one thing to uphold that there is one truth. And, you know, back in Ecclesiastes, only a few months ago now, I talked about a book, we talked about a book, um, Strange New World, Carl Truman. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the more extensive yeah. companion to that, Brave New World. And they just talked about the way in which people now process information and think and form identity and form truths, the process has shifted. And it used to be the case that people would, only a few decades ago, people would look to some sort of external truth, like the Bible, there is one truth. But now what's become um, popular, accepted, normal is for people to search within themselves. And uh, it's linked, my understanding is linked to postmodernism, people create truth. And so we just need to understand the complexity of this and the reality of how this dynamic plays out when we come to questions. These are great questions like this. Can Christians have different views on abortion and homosexuality because of a different interpretation and understanding of the Bible? Mm. And so if that is an understanding, as with many other topics, that is genuinely derived from people placing themselves under the Bible, then then the answer to that is yes. Um, I think... These are topics where we're going to come to it in a moment, but they're topics where the Bible, I think, is reasonably clear in what it's teaching. And and just worth saying, it's you know, sometimes we feel out of fashion or old fashioned. Or, you know, uh, John Anderson, former Prime, Deputy Prime Minister of Australia, he just I remember hearing him in a seminar years ago, and he, he just said, you know, guys, we. <laughs> we're not bigots because we believe what people have believed for thousands of years. Mm. You know, it, it's a legitimate view that many people over the... vast majority of people over VHS ages have kept and, and, and held to. And it's only really been in very recent times things have shifted. I think the Carl Truman books help us understand what's going on, Yeah. you know, with that.
0: You know, Raj, though the millennial in me wants to say, oh, like, all those people on those thousands of years, they didn't know what they were talking about. They were all bigots, like... Like I can imagine that the millennial or the Gen Z, Gen Alpha, yeah. you know, that's easy to sort of think that. Um, but I think that's one of the things that um, I think also C.S. Lewis, you know, the writer of Narnia, if you're ever into that series, one of the things he talks about is the hubris of the modern person who thinks all of the people that have lived in the thousands of years before us are all, must all not have the right minds or not yeah. be able to be quite thinkers. We think people like your Augustine, your Pythagoras, so they must all just not know what they're talking yeah. about. You know, because <laughs> it's, it's easy to think that yeah. Yeah, as, a, as a very knee-jerk reaction.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and look, thank you. You've said it gently with, you know, talking about C.S. Lewis. Um, um, other people would just push back and, you know, in, in stronger ways, I can imagine. Mm. You know, how do you know what's right? We're getting into the whole area called epistemology.
0: Yeah, how do you know that this modern conception that has yeah. come in the past 50, 100 years is the right thing yeah. to what's happened for thousands of years before that? Yeah. So, yeah, you've got that. and But, you know, yeah, to say that there's lots there. but There's yeah. there's
1: lots. We've gone way beyond this question. Yeah, we here, have. But I feel like
0: we just... <laughs> kept going. But this is the extra, so we hope you're enjoying the discussion
1: this, here. This is the extra. I think the, the crux of the answer to this question is if it, you know... If, if we are holding up the Bible as God's word and our ultimate authority um, and genuinely trying to seek uh, an understanding of what God has revealed to us in his word, then, then that, is what, that is what governs things. If that's where, um, um, be it abortion or homosexuality or something else, if that is where it is genuinely coming from, um, then, then that's what the authority is the authority is not what i say about something else or what candy says or someone else but that's that's where we need to be getting our understandings from and then acting in accordance with the convictions derived from those genuine understandings
0: Mm. yeah okay so we move on now to kind of dig maybe into even the detail of what you've said about what does the bible say about this so we've got um, a few questions that i've kind of amalgamated which is pretty much Hey, look, Mike had that slide. Can you please kind of do a model answer for us in some sense of... So with the slide, the first question, what does the Bible have to say about homosexuality? The second one is, what does the Bible have to say about abortion? In particular, those were the questions we got across the text line and the connect cards. So how would you answer that,
1: Raj? Look, so there's two slightly different questions going on here. Let's just, you know, untangle them a little bit. So one is, what does the Bible say about each of these topics? Um... Part A, part B, and, and maybe secondly, is how would you engage someone who does not know Christ um, in the discussion about these topics? So, so let's start on the first one what does the Bible say? On the issue of homosexuality, I just consistently go back to the creation accounts. So Genesis chapter 2, that just talks about um, Adam making the man and the woman to complement each other. Mm. Man, God looked at the man, wasn't complete. Um, um, and so then went and formed the woman from the man so that together they're both made an image of God yeah. uh, to function together in complementary ways and, and that is really just the foundational piece and you look at other places in the Bible that just seem to, or well, more than seem to, quite just uphold that um, Romans 1 is a confronting passage uh, in the modern age but but a wonderful passage because Romans 1 is really helping us understand what's gone wrong in our world and what's gone wrong in our world is verse 18 the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness mm. since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them mm. um, that's that's god's wrath in our world that's the source of judgment that is in our world and coming on the
0: last day yeah so really the sin is godlessness is is rejecting yeah. god which yes. applies to everybody yeah not just to the homosexual or to someone who's had an abortion it's we are all sinners that's something to hold yeah. yeah
1: yeah that's thank you that that's the core issue so we when come down Romans chapter 1 we come to verse 26 um and Sorry, verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Um, uh, and then we come down, to verse 26. God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, verse 27, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Um, now, that, that is upholding what the Bible what God created, which we're told about in Genesis chapter 2. Now, I think then 1 Corinthians 6 provides such... Well, it it, it just deepens what is being said here. And and I'll read just a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians 6 and then make a few comments. Um, So I'm coming down to verse 9 about halfway down verse 9 sorry let me start verse 9 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God do not be deceived neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters nor I- adulterers nor men who have sex with men nor thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards nor slanderers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God and that is what some of you were but you are washed you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And um, one of the things I'm just really keen to note here is um, I think it's unfortunate that people have so focused on the issues like homosexuality and talked about those as if um, those issues are any worse than a whole lot of other issues. 1 Corinthians 6 provides a... You know it holds that issue together against sexual immorality more broadly.
0: yeah yeah, and I think one of the things is um, there is an assumption, I'm imagining probably from most people in society that when they hear saying Christians talk about this as a sin, they're thinking, well, you're just saying these people are going to go to hell and everybody else is fine. Yeah, but actually what we're saying is no. Everyone
1: else is not fine. Everyone else is not fine. But Verse 10, yeah. thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanderers. You know, there's, there's, there's a long list. Yeah. Um, and Romans 1 helps us understand what's going on there. So now there's all kinds of nuances we can get into. Mm-hmm. There's, there's issues like the, um, the inclination of homosexuality compared to, as opposed to a practice. I'm, I think that's worth acknowledging, by the way. I know people over the years who have struggled in this area um, um, in the same way that people struggle with all kinds of issues. So anyway, so this is, you know, that topic of homosexuality, there's a few passages we've talked about. So Genesis chapter 2, the creation accounts, um, 1 Corinthians uh, 6, where we came to from about verse 9, Romans 1, particularly verses 26 and verse 27, uh, but from the context of verse 18. Um, we come to abortion and i just i just think it's interesting that you know it's only been in the last week or two since andrew forberner has come up but this has now become a thing again <laughs> and um, you know i i so again biblical framework for me i go back to gen, the genesis accounts and the procreation process where god said to the man be fruitful go forth and multiply um, he then provided the means. In fact, Genesis three talks about the curses and talks about childbearing being difficult. I'm sorry to break it to you, Candy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we we can then look at other passages that, once again, just you know affirm this um, um, the goodness of what God has created. And so, a few passages we can go to Exodus chapter twenty-one uh, from verse twenty-two. Let me, let me just read that. It's talking about a particular thing, but, but I think you'll see what I mean. So Exodus chapter 21, verse 22. If people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined, whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Uh, in other words, a, a, an unborn life, is valuable and and it's not something just to be you know if I can put it like this washed under the carpet mm-hmm. we then come into another passage we can come to Psalm 139 this is a well-known one many people recognize it when I read a couple of verses here um, Psalm 139
0: yeah, And just to say, whatever we may say about the Old Testament law in terms of Christ's fulfillment, the principle, I think, is still there in Exodus as to the basic reasoning for that law is yeah. that the unborn is life.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, look, and the beauty of that is reflected here. One, Psalm 139, I'm going to read from verse 13. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb, um, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And, and you know,
0: Verse 16, you know, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Yeah. yeah.
1: How precious. To, it just goes on and on and, and testifies to um, um, what God has made. Which starts in the womb. Yeah,
0: God knows the unborn. God sees and is forming.
1: Yeah, and you know, now there are all kind of debates that that come up. I, I feel like they've been out of the spotlight till Andrew Fulburn. But mm. but you know, when is a life a life? And and that there's there's a whole bunch of discussions that yeah. happen yeah. Uh, at this point. But but again, you know, I. My conviction is what the Bible is, So what people have believed for thousands of years. Um, these debates have only been fairly modern things. And, and now I'm not, if someone's listening and has that view, all I'm really saying at this point is, please, um, in the same way I want to respect those views, I think the reverse is also true. Mm-hmm. That That is, I just want to encourage people to respect a view that has been held for thousands of years by many, many different people. Yeah. Um, and that is why I, th- I think the events around Andrew Thorburn and Essendon are so sad. And uh, for people not to be able to um, maintain those views, not even in a position, CEO of a football club, where they are, you know, key things to the activity of the football club nor are they key things to the performance of a role, of a CEO role. Mm. Um, So it really was quite remarkable what happened, and for a state premier to then get involved, I thought was was very interesting.
0: I think with the abortion question as well, um, you know, we see in Genesis that we have dignity because we're made in the image of God. And um, one is simply made in the image of God by virtue of being a human. Like there is no kind of specificity of like you must have five toes on each feet in order to become a human. You must have a fully formed arm in order to become a human. And so once we we have to ask the question: What makes a person a person? Um, is it that they have a certain number yeah. of weeks on them? Is yeah. it? And then once you ask that question, how do you determine that? Um, it's it's actually a very complex issue. I think um often it's easy to sort of have a slogan. But when you come down to the actual debate, it it forms the way you view about, it forms the way you view disability. Um, It forms the way that you view um, those in society that are different to you, you know? What if someone was born without arms or legs? Like, does this make them less human? Like, um, so once you get into that debate, you've got to ask the question, what makes a person a person? And then when you ask that question, you have to think about your answer. And all the ramifications of that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And you've just opened up, you know, multiple kind of things. And I imagine for Candy, you're at the moment, you know, being pregnant. How far along are you?
0: Um, twenty weeks. yeah Twenty weeks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I imagine for you, you know, some of these issues really are things on your mind and heart, and for <sighs> as well.
0: It's pretty crazy. Um, I think just on a personal note, like. Even we had a scan. We're having a boy. Very public about this, you know. I did not know that. <laughs> There you go. I'm just telling you, Raj. <laughs> just, well, I don't know. I haven't been keeping a secret, but I've just, you know, yeah. I just mention it when I'm passing as I see people. Raj
1: is a good boy's name, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Brave of you to put that out there, you know, <laughs> on the extras as well. Um, so yeah, and you know, you see the scan and you see the heart, and it's it's amazing. You know, they've got the four chambers. You see the spinal cord and all the little bumpy lumpies, you know, you see the more you see the arms and the legs and them sucking their thumb and moving them around and kicking. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Like it's, and you, you hear the heartbeat. You hear the heartbeat. And, yeah. um, yeah, I think whenever I was actually saying to the, the scanny person, I don't know what you put radiographer. There you go. <laughs> blame me on the baby brain again. But I, I did say to her, um, I couldn't help it I just and also I just exclaimed I just said God is such an amazing creator isn't he uh, I find this I found it um, yeah and I hope this I know that there are people listening who would be struggling with struggling at the moment with fertility and um, I hope you hear this with all the sensitivity of um, I, I hope this doesn't cause you distress and I know that this, yeah it could be a, a hard thing for you right now but yeah Whereas I sort of had that scan I just marvel at the fact that like God just does his thing I'm not doing anything I'm just eating and sleeping doing my normal thing and God's just doing this thing and it's amazing I just stand back and I'm amazed amazed at God's power that's yeah. how I feel anyway, anyway different thing but okay so what um let's move on to so we've talked about the content of the biblical truths and the passages um, what about if someone does ask you that question I guess I kind of want to talk a little bit about the how to approach it in a way that's sensitive. Yeah. And I guess more so in a way where you could be heard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, Raj, do you have any thoughts on that? Well,
1: look, we can talk. both talk about this, Candy. I might just, you know, kick off by saying I just think, as many have experienced, getting into an argument about these issues is probably not going to get too far. It's always harder to disagree with someone you have a relationship with. And so I just want to encourage: if you have the opportunity to develop a relationship with someone, um, please do. Mm. And and you know, in the longer term, the the more um, relationships we have with more people, then when things like this come up, and they will from time to time, then the better positioned you are to engage in a conversation. Um, um, so look, I might just kick off. Candy. I think you had some good thoughts on this, just in terms of you know the content of then, okay, it comes up, you have a relationship with someone, maybe you don't. What do you say?
0: Um, I have been asked this question multiple times by different people in different contexts. I remember doing university ministry walk up and there was um, a club um, that came up and asked me that question as they were handing out rainbow badges and I was handing out some Christian flyers and they asked me what I thought. Um, Uh, And I, I, to be honest, I don't, my feeling was I could be wrong, but my feeling was I didn't think, I think this person asked me this specific question, not even saying, hello, how are you? Because they wanted to know my view. But I've also had friends who genuinely, um, as they get to know me go, I think this is something really unfair and not right. How could you be a Christian and and believe that? Like, can you just explain to me? I genuinely want to know. So I think even how you approach it based on those things, um, Can, yeah, do they, even Jesus, right, approaches people who go to him differently, you know, between the Pharisees and the tax collectors and Zacchaeus. But I think with that in mind, I always want to ask the question when someone says to me, what do you think about this? I like to ask the question, do you think that we have been created and made for a purpose? Or do you think we're just accidents? Because I think that forms really, your view on this um now some people if they think that life is just all an accident we're just germs on a giant rock hurtling through space um you know evolved germs then there is no reason why you should believe anything is right or wrong yeah um and so i don't think you're sharing a common basis at that point and at that point i would just say if they believe that i'll be like why do you believe that yeah i think i agree with you if you believe that i don't think like, how do you know what's right and wrong? Why do you think that homosexual and abortion is right? What forms your basis for that?
1: So that's quite clever, Candy. What you're doing is looking for a common ground to start a discussion from. Mm. Um, which, just in that example you gave, um, am I an accident or am I created? That's, there's, there's an example.
0: Yeah. And I think most of the time what I've heard, though, is people saying, I do think we have been made for a purpose. Like, I think there is more to life than just we are germs hurtling through space. Um, and at that point, I think they you can press into who do you think made you? And what authority does this person have to say about the way you live your life? Like, if I design a watch and I made it, I know what the watch is for. It's not for you to, you know, use as a hula hoop. It's it's for you to put around to tell the time. And so I'd say what the Bible is saying is from the perspective of the person who have made you who have said lots and lots of things and one of the things he's designed around is around what sex is for and how procreation happens and what his plans and his purposes are for those things now if you are currently rejecting the creator in your life and you don't want to live under his rule then of course those things are like you I think um, these things are just a part of that but more than that it's actually what is your attitude towards god which again as we see in romans is the fundamental issue yeah and at that point i think getting into jesus and how both this can be true that god has a word to say about our sexuality and actually saying marriage is for men and women and that marriage is the proper context for sexual relationship and and for faithfulness and going hey that's a part of the plan but actually a part of the plan is also the cross and jesus so i think I generally like to answer those questions with a question and get to know what they think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and try to find out why they think what they think and help them to understand why I think what I think. Because yeah. otherwise I think you just talk across each other.
1: You can so easily talk across each other. So to establish a conversation with just mutual respect and and modelling that yourself. So I think we're both talking about the way you go about the conversation mm. is almost more important than the content. Um, another thing that came to my mind, Candy, 1 Peter 2, um, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It just it speaks so powerfully, and I find this is the experience of so many that have come to Christ that there's almost always been in their life a Christian living a godly life—that's mm. been as a model for. They may not have started in a place where they agreed with beliefs, but that model has just been so powerful.
0: That's definitely the case for me. Yeah, becoming yeah. a Christian.
1: So yeah. yeah. So there's probably other things we could say, but why don't we leave it there for now, Candy? Mm. Yeah. Um,
0: thank you so much, Raj, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Extras. We're gonna come back. Um, what are we tackling this coming week, Raj?
1: Well, that's a very good question. I think we're on the next section of Matthew's Gospel. We're continuing with Matthew's Gospel for a number of weeks. Yep. And so this week is... Uh, we're
0: kicking off in Chapter 18 Chapter now.
1: 18, yeah.
0: So maybe have a read of that, and then um, you can come with your questions on the Sunday. Great.
1: Thanks, Candy. Thanks, Thanks. everyone. Thank you.